A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 70 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're all about data and B2B marketing. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. My old friend L. Wolf is back in to chat about one of our favorite subjects, data in marketing. Plus, we'll get to some other stuff. We'll have that chat in just a moment. Soon, John Chang of IBM will be here to talk about some thinking he's done on career planning for marketers. And Rob Whedon will be back in to discuss data, intent, and marketing. Plus, we've got lots of other chats planned for the next couple of months. I'll let you in in the next couple of weeks on some of the great people we'll have on over the next several months. I want to invite you to have a listen to my other venture, the innovation podcast, the iPod with Garnett Harriman. Lots of fun stuff happening over there. Head over to the innovationpodcast.co to tune in. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. Okay, let's get to my chat with L. Wolf. L is VP of Marketing at Path Factory. You may remember the chat we had about six months ago about her rebrand. Elle did some special work with that, and we got lots of reaction to that episode. But Elle also has a lot of knowledge about using data as a marketer, and I knew we'd have her back. What's behind the data we collect and how should we use it? We get into that and more in part one of our chat. So let's get to it. Elle Wolf, welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Thank you for having me. That's great to have you here. Last time we had you on, you discussed your rebrand, which was a great couple of episodes. This time, I hope the rebrand is going well, but we're going to discuss data and B2B marketing and probably lots of other stuff too. So let's get to it, I guess. One of my favorite topics. I can't wait. <laughs> We can drown in data that marketing throws off. So what data do you pay attention to every day as VP of marketing? 
Uh, so I love this question because I think um, you're right. I mean, we are collecting mountains of data and not all of it is really helpful in, you know, guiding decisions. And so it's easy to get kind of paralysis when you uh, when you start to try to you know look at too much of it. The things that I look at, you know, all the time are really the KPIs that, that sort of indicate or help us to predict revenue outcomes. So this is the standard stuff, funnel dynamics and progression and, and demand volumes and things like that. And, you know, we're also looking at kind of the basics, to be honest with you, of just campaign performance. And that's really with a mind to improving, you know, results and delivering better programs and better experiences for the buyer. I mean, you have to be looking at some of that more tactical stuff to understand, you know, are people engaging with it? Is it, are we delivering the kind of things that are important to people? And, you know, how can we course correct in real time to do better stuff? We have some interesting metrics that are pretty unique to us and and to, you know, uh, the data that our platform around how people are consuming information, how much time they spend with individual content assets, we have a, a metric that we call binge rate, which is, you know, how many you know prospects come in and consume multiple assets at one time. Um, and these are really helpful in understanding, again, you know, are we creating the kind of content that our buyer needs? Are we connecting with them at the right time? You know, I am a data-driven marketer. My background's in demand gen. I worked at Eloqua for a long time. I've worked in predictive analytics. Um, and so I do have an appetite for data and, and for the sort of the CSI part of marketing, <laughs> the invest, you know, the investigation part to understand, sure. well, why did something happen? Or why did velocity slow down here? Or why are we having a tough quarter in, in, you know, on converting things to opportunities? I love to kind of use data as a way to answer questions. But on a daily basis, we keep it pretty basic. And then once a quarter, we sort of take all of this data and we look for trends and we look for, you know, sort of things that will help us to improve on an ongoing basis. But I think, you know, the, the focus on being data-driven and B2B marketing has become such that people think if they're not doing some wildly sophisticated thing with data, then they're like not doing it right. And I think a lot of the kind of standard ways that we look at campaign and program performance are still very important for helping us deliver good marketing. Yeah, and and it kind of leads me into my next question. Often when, as marketers, we talk about data, the conversation focuses on what's good for the marketer or the company and not the customer or prospect. So how do you ensure the opposite? Because it feels like Path Factory is very focused on the users. It's true. I mean, our whole focus is on how do you deliver a better experience for the buyer? How do you enable the buyer to actually find and consume the things they're looking for as they as they try to make a decision? I think part of the challenge in B2B marketing is that we've, we've been sort of painted into a corner for a long time. And it was, you know, in large part due to the types of metrics that were available to us. Mm-hmm. Most of the, the data we've been collecting for a long time is pretty binary, right? Did they click on the thing? Did they did they fill out the form? Did they, how, you know, how, you know, what do our page visits look like? Those kinds of things. And those you know, don't tell you much about the quality of those interactions. You know, did they or didn't they take that action doesn't tell you did they or did they not get value. And that's really the important thing, right? So if you want to understand what your buyer is interested in, make sure you're delivering the kinds of things they need, you need to understand 
how they're how much time they're spending. Did they, you know, take a standard sort of offer that you might deliver an ebook or something? And you know, you look at ten people who click through, and that that click looks the same, right? Um, really, it's what happened after they click. Did they come? Did they spend five minutes looking at that? Did they then go on to you know look at a video and another asset? And what does that what does that journey look like? So I think you know a lot of times you know, when we aren't as focused on the buyer as we should be, it's not necessarily our fault. I mean, we have these somewhat misleading metrics. I think it can't always be about the things that we care about, or even about the things that necessarily predict success for the business. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, everything I talked about initially, you know, funnel dynamics and conversion rates and velocity and all that, those are important to the business, right? But our buyer doesn't care about our funnel conversion or where they sit in the funnel or all those things. So I think we need to ask ourselves, you know, is what we're doing inherently helpful to the buyer? And I think there are ways to do that. And engagement is a big part of it. You know, again, if you if you're delivering stuff and people aren't really spending meaningful time, they aren't engaging in meaningful ways, then it's probably not useful or helpful to that buyer. And that's the question you have to, I think, constantly be asking yourself. Yeah. And does it come down to good content? I think that has a lot to do with it. But it's but, you know, I mean, I think there are I think a lot of vendors are creating good content. What they're struggling to do is connecting their buyer to it in the moments when they need it. And and it's not surprising, right? I mean, there's an infinite number of buyer journeys out there. Even if you look at, you know, it, on a committee-based, you know, purchase where there might be in a large organization, 10, 15, 20 people sometimes involved in a single purchase of, a, all, you know, an expensive piece of technology, let's say, um, each one of those people has an individual journey. They care about different things. Now, there may be some things in common. Well, we all want to see what the ROI of this tool is. We all all want to see, you know, great customer references, but some of them may be looking for really technical information. Some of them may be looking for slightly more sort of qualitative stuff. And so it's really hard as a marketer to try to orchestrate that. You may have all the right content somewhere, but how do you make sure that that buyer who needs it in that moment is delivered, you know, that asset? And that's the hard part. So good content is inherently, yes, it is, it is really important, but it's more than just creating great content. It's like, how do you deliver it in a way that yeah. makes sure you know you're 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 getting the coverage that you need? I think that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, I want to expand on something you mentioned in your answer to my first question, and that is how do you keep your team focused on your long-term goals when there are so many short-term data points that keep popping up, shiny objects? You know, how do you avoid shiny object syndrome? Yeah, it's tough too because I think it's got to be tied together. Um, people need to be able to see the connective tissue between the things they are doing in their jobs day to day and the long-term outcomes that you're trying to drive, right? It's easy for people to feel kind of divorced from that to like, oh, I'm here, I'm building this campaign. I'm, you know, tactically executing on this thing. And it feels really abstract and kind of divorced from the big sort of goals you're trying to drive. So, you know, you don't just will something like strong funnel performance into existence. It's the product of everything we do in marketing, every campaign, every touch, every process optimization, every asset and great piece of content. All of that comes to bear on how you drive great outcomes. And so, you know, it's important to make sure that, I mean, I think in large part, it starts with 
real relentless focus on very specific goals and then mapping all the things you're doing, the, the plans and programs and investments and the tactics, you know, to those goals. If people can draw a straight line from, you know, we're trying to achieve this outcome at the, at the corporate level and this is how we're going to do it in marketing and these are the ways that we're going to accomplish it, um, it's, e- it, you know, it's easier to keep them focused on that, that long-term stuff. Right. But it's a challenge. It is. I mean, it, it, you know, like I said, look, and at parts of my career, I, I've been faulted with, with almost being too tactical. Um, you know, like, oh, you're, you're so good at executing on things. And I, I don't think that's, um, that's an insult because <laughs> right. I think a great, great strategy gets you nowhere if you can't translate it into action. And I actually, I've seen you know, really great, brilliant people who are great big thinkers, but can't necessarily take the big idea, the big objective, the big goal, and break it down into little pieces so that people know how to actually execute on it. So, you know, great tactical execution is what makes marketing happen. And so, you know, if you're, you know, for for my team, we're trying to drive a certain amount of qualified opportunities, you know, as an example, and we're going to do a million things to accomplish that. And some of it's optimization and some of it is channel level stuff or program level stuff. And some of it is process stuff and, and content stuff and all of these various things. You know, you need to be able to kind of really understand how these things roll up and, and get you back to that big goal you're trying to achieve. But it can feel abstract. It really can. I mean, one of the things that I do is just a relentless over communication and yeah. going back, pointing back to those. Remember, guys, this is the thing we're trying to do. And and I, I think it's got a cascade. You know, you can't just go from big strategic objective to marketing plan. Like there's steps in between there that you've got to map it to to make it relevant for the people who are going to work on that stuff every day. But it yeah. is hard. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's that's why you get the big bucks, right, Al? That's the idea. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd like to chat a bit about B2B marketing. When we discussed your rebrand back several months ago, I thought you had a really fresh point of view on how to brand a B2B company. Uh, First of all, how has that progressed? And how Mm -hmm. do you view B2B marketing now? Is it still a thing? (laughs) That's a good question. I mean, it is still a thing because I, I do think you know, B2B buying is very different than, say, B2C buying, which often is more transactional yep. and, uh, you know, faster. And, and, and it's, it's just a different animal. But I do think there's a huge convergence happening, you know, and it's largely because our B2B buyer lives a B2C life. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're in the minority if you're not engaging on a sometimes a daily basis with on-demand services, right? Buying stuff on Amazon, watching shows on Netflix, all of, you know, we've come to expect this level of just frictionless, whether it's purchasing or you know, consumption in, in our B2C lives. And I think, you know, we, we bring some of those expectations to, to the B2B side. And so I think B2B is having a moment right, right now where it's trying to adapt to that new reality. And I think you're seeing more B2B marketing is trying to co-op some of what you see on the B2C side. And I think that's all good stuff because I think that ultimately does mean a better experience for the buyer, something that is has less friction, that is easier, that is less complicated. Hopefully that's a bit more fun and interesting. But I do think, you know, B2B it is is its own animal. I mean, you typically are talking about considered purchases that are long. You're talking about potentially, you know, buying committees. You know, when I want to make a decision in my household about something expensive, like the buying committee is usually 
myself and my husband, right? right. Or, or sometimes just me. And so that's an easier thing to navigate <laughs> when you're talking about buying a hundred thousand dollar, you know, software system or, you know, infrastructure, or whatever in your, in your B2B life, chances are, you know, there is involvement from several people in your own department and probably across various departments. And so, you know, it's inherently a more complex, you know, thing to, to navigate. And as I said before, I think that's part of the challenge for B2B is how do you, how do you orchestrate all that for all those different people and, you know, across all the touches and channels and, and all these things, right? It's, it's hard. But I do think that the way that, you know, the on-demand economy has shaped our lives, it can't help but have an impact on B2B because the buyer just wants something different. They demand, and we're seeing this with the emergence of, of things like ABM, uh, personalization. These are all attempts at driving this kind of relevance and speed and convenience. And I think, you know, there's still a, a long way for that to go before it gets to a point where it really is the type of kind of joyful experience that I have when I go to Amazon and it's saying, hey, do, do you want to buy this again? And here's where you left off last time. And you know, that ability to pick me up and, and take me right where I'm going. Um, B2B has a long way to go, but I think we're, we're making some steps. Thanks to Elle for being here. Next time we delve more into data and chat about how B2B marketing has evolved and where it might be headed. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com.